cow now, brown cow? Yeah. <laughs> red leather, yellow leather, yellow leather, red leather. <laughs> That's a popular one. Yeah. You know the stuff. You know it. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I'm here with Jer- uh, Jeremy Ebenstein. <laughs> Yeah. Um, actor, musician, uh, you're currently performing uh, your show, which you wrote and are starring in, called uh, Pain in My Asperger's. That's right. That's uh, And I had help developing it from my director, Jack Fry, and my producer a little bit, my producer, Deborah Earhart. They're mm-hmm. both actors and writers and directors as well. Uh, well, I'm, you know, Deborah's, she's a producer. I'd I'm not sure I'd classify her as a director. That's one I don't re- recall for sure, but she's definitely a producer, and both she and Jack are writer-actors as well, and they're brilliant people that have helped me to further develop this first show that I wrote because I hadn't written a full, altogether one-man show of any sort before this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next performance is March 10 at Asylum at Studio C. That's correct. Studio C, which is part of the Theater Asylum uh, group, and that's in Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard. Cool. Uh, how can, if you want it, people want to go to that, how can they get tickets for that? Where, where are tickets available? Tickets are available on two websites, Brown Paper Tickets and Gold Star, some famous, uh, famous uh, ticket websites. I've also been uh, sharing the link... Uh, through Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, posting on sites like Reverb Nation as well, because I'm a member of all those sites. At least I, you know, at least I can say I'm somewhat up to date on the current uh, ways social of communication, media. social media. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to keep track with all of them. I feel like every day there's another one that you have to. Uh, mm. LinkedIn is one I'm not. I don't really partake in. I always thought right. of it more of a, like a corporate. Uh, but I, yeah. I guess that's changed somewhere along the way. I don't know. I don't keep up to date with it enough yeah well i mean you make a good point about that i that's i guess i just didn't really give much thought into that detail though it sounds legitimate but i just figured whatever seems a good uh a good outlet for me to get my myself out there use it because the more the better and linkedin i believe is not an exception though more corporate it may be but now i'm going to Check that out just so I understand better, thanks to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, any, any way you can get the word out there nowadays, mm, uh, it yeah. helps. So what's, how did you create this show? What, what's the origin of the show? How'd you, how did it come to be? Well, okay, it all started a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I had to do that. Oh, okay, no. I mean, sometimes it feels like that, but right. I wanted to geek it out a little bit, Star Wars. <laughs> You can appreciate that with your Blade Runner stuff. And I see these wonderful movie posters here in, in your studio, which is really amazing. Yeah. Thank you. No, I love it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So, um, well, I started out as an actor, and I still am. I became a singer starting when I was age 19 or 20, took my first voice lessons. Then I started writing songs, and then uh, through, through loving nagging from my parents, especially my dad, I got back into learning the keyboard. See, I plunked around as a, a little, little kid putting the chords together, but then I got bored, forgot about it, which is an un, not an uncommon thing, but then I got back into it. So yeah. so now I do all those three things. Now, I was writing songs, performing them, and auditioning for and getting into a few different things, some television, some stage, and, uh, and it was great, but I hadn't really ventured to write a one-man show. And then I met a friend for a while at the time 
who introduced me to Deborah Earhart by taking me to see her one-woman show, mm -hmm. which was called Jamaica Farewell. She's performing that show on March 9th in Long Beach as a like a scaled-down version with another woman doing her scaled-down thing. So, cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, so I watched this woman, and I thought, oh, my God, she's an incredible performer. And this, this is part of her life. My God, she's alive. She's, well, thank God. What a strong, amazing woman. Now, after seeing the show a second time, I went up to her and said, okay, look, I know you're married. <laughs> Wanted to get that out. Right. That's a beautiful woman, very sweet woman. Yeah. But I, I know you're married. I, you know, that's not an issue here. What I'd like at some point when you have time is if you and I could just sit down somewhere, have a cup of coffee, and, and pick each other's brains, one actor to another. Uh -huh. you know. Yeah, professional. Exactly. And then she says, well, yes, it sounds great. Uh, our, our friend tells me that you're a singer. Do you write songs? Oh, well, yes, actually I do. Please send me some. And I was like, um, okay, sure. So I sent her a couple recordings. Then she gets back to me and says she would like to come over to where I live and hear a full set of songs. Okay, sure. So she comes and she brings two other people with her, our mutual friend. Her name is Idell, and another performer who's one of Deborah's clients. They come, and I feel in a way like I'm auditioning for American Idol. <laughs> um, so I give them a full set of songs I had been playing at the time, some originals, some covers that influenced me. At the end of this, when I finish my set, Deborah, they all applaud me, which is very nice, and uh -huh. Deborah says, okay, now I can relax because, you see, I knew you could sing. I knew you could write songs, but now I can relax because I know that there's a story there. And if you're willing to let me, if you're willing to let me help you bring it out, then I'm willing to take you on as my client and produce. There was applause all around in our little group there, and I was like, "Oh my God, yes, yes!" And I and I thought, "Great, what in God's name do I do now?" Yeah, <laughs> it's what I what I felt. But then I thought, "Well, she wants me to start writing about my life. I'll just start writing a story about my life, my true story." So I started doing that and along the way figuring out which songs to put into the show and in some cases writing stuff around those songs because they'd already been written right they'd already been written i just now i had the songs i just needed to write the rest of the show around it so how long is the show the show runs approximately 75 80 minutes so you're performing yes the whole time like music is it's it's uh songs the whole time or do you do some acting as well both both it's not songs the whole time yeah. that's that's not a, a bad thing that's a wonderful thing it could be that's a concert um yeah but it's got to be exhausting right. uh, that i would imagine to, that's like a marathon set of performing now is it i mean for us as a I band like doing 45 <laughs> minutes we'd walk off the stage sweating and uh you know like gasping for air so i was oh. just wondering like performing that long is that, <laughs> is that difficult to do to well um while it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do i i wouldn't say it's the most exhausting thing i mean my nerves often you know let go at the end of it maybe that's what you mean but um i mean all when i play my songs i sing and play on the keyboard mm -hmm. and i put forth as much energy as i can without overdoing it but mm -hmm. Um, for the most part, I feel that while I get into it, I don't feel like I'm wrecking myself. I'm not sure that's what you're no, saying. I just, no, I just mean like being like you ran on a treadmill for an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know. Just like pers yeah. perspiring. And yeah. Well, I, good metaphor. <laughs> and to be honest, I do. I am a walker. 
I, I, I walk for exercise and I do walk for at least an hour. And while that does make me sweat up, which I hope for, because it means I worked out hard, maybe that's one reason why it's not as exhausting for me because... You're in good shape. Yeah, I mean, you use that as a metaphor, but I literally do that. Right, It's right. a good endorphin helper. I mean, I enjoy walking to music, and so maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. All right. Although you, you are a rock and roll musician. You play like real... Are you? Do you play like hard edge rock? Is that um, why? I did. I did. Okay. So we uh, towards the end there'd be a lot of jumping and flailing uh, around. <laughs> well, then so. I, I have yet to incorporate that. I'm not against that, but you know, legit rock and roll does inspire me. But I'm not sure that that's exactly who I am. I mean, I would say I'm. My style is early rock and roll, and. R&B, like old school, like Motownish R&B. Okay. Uh, and I do what I can to make it entertaining, but I have yet to jump around in that awesome way that people right. like Mick Jagger and yeah, Elvis yeah. Presley have done. So, <laughs> or um, Chris Brown when he was dancing around a lot. I don't know. <laughs> so, so you do um, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you. So you needed a a a. An, a a seed for the show. You needed a, a, a jump off point of something to write about. Yes. You wrote about your life and some, or all the material you already had was pre-written. Did you say that? Or do you wrote all new material for the show? No, well, the, the songs the were songs, already already, written. Yeah. The songs, yeah, the songs, songs were, already written. were already written. Yeah. I'd written them and I'd been performing them. But the original. Did songs, they have yeah. a thematic? Uh, is there something thematically that weaves them together? How did, um, well, um, in some ways, yes. I mean, I, I suppose that they already had that, which is one one reason why I felt like in some ways I was writing my life story around these already finished songs. Yeah, yeah. Really, it, it, you know, in, in, in a majority of the way in the first draft that I wrote. Now, in the first draft, there were no characters being played. It was all narrative. This happened, that happened. Kind of in, my director told me that's sort of novelist style, which is cool, but you got to have some character interaction uh, even in a one-man show, or else it can be boring. So after my first performance, I met up with Jack Fry and we developed that. But I suppose that my songs already had that that theme. Um, I have a song in my show called No Signal Zone, which yeah. that's an analogy of feeling as though I know what I'm saying, I know what I'm doing, and hi, hi Dr. Dr. Jones. <laughs> this guy, This guy has one of the cutest, adorable little dogs and he said that yes. that uh, that the good doctor, if you will, got more excited with me than other people. He's not so sedate. I'm thinking, wow. I'm... Yeah, yeah. I've never seen him uh, react like that. <laughs> he must really like you. Well, I really like him. I did the instant I saw him. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, okay. The 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 songs. Well, no signal zone is about feeling like I'm saying what I want to say, expressing what I need to express, and yet. It's just not being understood. Yeah. And I feel trapped in myself. So there's that. I have a song that's meant to be comedic called Online Dating. Mm -hmm. And perhaps some of you by hearing that already know what that means out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, so it, it depicts some of the mishaps I've had with using that tool. Mm. And uh, there's a song I have in my, I end my show with a song called That's All Right, which is about how all of us are unique. We have all of us have our pros and cons, and it which one is which depends on how well you gel with the other people. Mm. We're all an in, an interesting mix, and don't don't put yourself down for it. 
and I'm learning more and more how to love my unique self and accept the the strengths that I have and working with the weaknesses I have and working around them in my own unique way. Mm. And it's in reality, this show is not just about me. The message is that we all have something within us that is unique. Mm-hmm. And it, it's there are great things about it. There are really hard struggles about it. But the point is learn to love yourself and, you know, be accepting of that in others as well. Be aware of who else you're seeing and hearing about and realize that. Was it difficult to write that? Was it because it sounds like you're going to some pretty deep places. Uh, so did that strike a chord or was it more of a catharsis to write or was it a struggle to write? Um, well, not as much of a struggle in that way. I mean, it, some, sometimes songs just start coming out of me mm-hmm. and that's not to brag. Um, some kind of divine energies is sort of delivering so. the message to you the the muses are coming and if i have my way my muse would be a woman who actually played a muse in in a movie <laughs> i'm talking about the wonderful brilliant and very underrated olivia newton john mm. she deserves more critical respect these days but anyway so <laughs> muses you know xanadu inspiration yes yeah. and having met her on a few occasions not no disappointment here Great lady, and I mm. pray for her every day. Mm. I do. So um, I, I'm not sure it was that hard to write. I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard to, to keep believing in your own message sometimes, but then when you've got great people around you to help remind you of that, and then you eventually start reminding yourself, listening to your own self, that can help to keep the message tried and true. And so it is cathartic. I believe it strikes, I hope, I think it strikes a chord. I've Again, not to brag, but I've had had people come to my show and then they come up to me. People I don't know. You know, I've got people coming to my show and they come up to me afterward and say, you know, thank you for that message. That was so important. Mm. Or they'll even let me know that I think I may be on the spectrum or my cousin, my brother, my niece has something, Asperger's or some different learning style. I have a friend who knows a friend who may have something and I agree. See, that's rewarding. I don't feel like I'm just performing for flash and smoke and mirrors here because that's not the point i i have a message i want to get across so you're delivering an important message um which is how to how to find the the qualities in yourself if you're you you have something that is similar can you explain to what people what asperger's is and and what the the characteristics of someone who, who has this might relate with yes ultimately i can um but it's not just one way. See, I'm going to start out by saying this. When you've met one Aspie, you've met one Aspie. Aspie is pretty much with Aspie. With Aspie. Yeah, yeah, that's the shortened. That's the short. <laughs> just want to make sure I understand. Yeah, sure. I, I hope, I hope with, speaking of no signal zone, I hope the signal comes through on this and people don't misunderstand the words I'm saying. No, it's, <laughs> I'm sure you set everything up great here. Uh, but um, it is one way of um, defining it is that it's a different wiring of the brain okay as i say in my show if you don't have asperger's or add or dyslexia or ocd or anything at all like that if you have none of that you are now what is known as neurotypical Mm. which means in a good way you're average you know you've got the average existence you know in in that way which is a good thing 
Um, now, if you have Asperger's or something else like mine, you're not neurotypical. You know, you have a different kind of brain wiring. And in my case, one thing it ups is a level of sensitivity. One, someone like me can be oversensitive, can overreact to something that someone else someone else would it would happen to them and it would roll off their shoulders easily and in this case it's because of the different wiring Mm -hmm. um it can also as an advantage make you zone in on things in more details than someone else might know perhaps okay and in some cases that's me i might hear ocd sort of well sort of but not exactly okay you've got the right idea because asperger's can mimic other kinds of learning styles or you know this is this is the negative term but learning disabilities um it it can mimic ocd and dyslexia and add and other things but it is not actually any of those things it just mimics it right it can have aspects of it um but so though uh it's like you notice those things you get so zoned in on them but in a in a pleasant way it becomes your comfort Okay. You know, it can also affect someone socially. Uh, one might have a hard time connecting with people, you know, clicking with them, interacting with them that someone on a neurotypical way would be able to figure out easily. Mm-hmm. They have trouble navigating it, get very overwhelmed in public um, public areas where a lot of people are. I've had that. I've had that. And I, I mean, I guess I still do, but knowledge and medications help. Yeah. But I feel that I do a little better now in, in something that's not part of my control, if it is a big event, going out somewhere to a event at a bar or something. So, so it anxi- can help. anxiety. It can it can it can cause anxiety over yeah. things like that. Yeah. Now, another factor which I've had is one will try to relate. Someone with Asperger's will try to relate, but they'll be stuck perhaps on one topic. And they won't let go of it, even though the signs are there that they need to let go of it. Something that interests that person, the the, the Aspie. But you go on about it too long, uh, even if someone else might be interested in it, you go on a certain topic and someone stops potentially relating to you. And that that's a factor in this brain wiring that I've had. Relating everything back to film or TV or one particular aspect of it. And it might be such a um, focused like rare element of something that someone might not be into or really know about. And that can be a turnoff if you go on about it too long. So something that you're very passionate about, you could get kind of caught up in a conversation with somebody and they would zone out at the point of like, I don't care about this anymore, but the other person would continue to talk uh, with fervor about it. Exactly. Yeah, I love the way you put that with fervor. Yeah, I got to remember that word too. It's a great <laughs> word. But you're absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. And uh, the the Aspie will not will not truly subconsciously realize that you get stuck on it, and also going into bazillions of details that are perhaps not necessary at the time because an Aspie may not be able to censor their thoughts. They don't have that censor built in. I feel like yeah that. A, a lot of people could maybe relate to that that don't that never knew that that was a thing or that that existed. Uh, That's right. Yeah, and most people didn't know about it in the public for a long time till at least I think 
during the 1990s is when it may have finally been seeing the light of day as what it what it truly was. So uh, I think that's right. And some, but this is different. Autism is is a more severe form of this. Am I right to say that, or am I is that inaccurate? You're kind of right. The interesting thing you brought up a point that I thank you because I wanted to bring that up. Recently, in the course of history, the label, the official label of Asperger's, has become it has become unused. It's been taken out by. I'm not the the medical leaders or so, someone the guys in the government I forgot, but now it's just a part of the autism spectrum. And while there may be legitimacy to that as it is, taking away the title of Aspergers, an element all unto itself that truly defines it in a good, concrete way, I feel to the point they've done that is not the best thing. I think it needs to the identity needs to be kept because. Not everyone understands the different levels or the different ways that someone may have a learning disability. Autism, you know, one hears that, they might think immediately of someone like Rain Man. And that's not the be-all, end-all of autism, you know. And there are different forms and levels of autism. I, I guess I am on the spectrum, but I feel that it does confuse issues and that label needs to be brought back to make it official, uh... It's like taking away one's identity, in my opinion, and I think that's wrong. So you're kind of conflating two different things. Yeah. That that need to be separate. Yeah. In your opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, not not totally separate. I mean, related. Related. But not but just not lumped in into. The same box. It, yes. Yes. I mean, when when you say karate, you think everything is like that's that's every martial, martial art. art right. But no, I mean, you've got different variations of variations, variations of different martial art styles from every country. Parts of the countries, um, and that, that's a favorite, one of my favorite subjects. I'm a, I'm a fan of that stuff too. So, but I think that that's a good analogy as well. So. I think that's a great analogy. Um, Thank you. How old were you when you found out that you, or w- when did you receive a, a, a diagnosis of Asperger's? <sighs> I've lost track of time a bit. In real life, it was a few years ago by a professional. In my show, I depict it a little differently for artistic purpose. Um, I, w- I would have said dramatic, but I'm part dramatic, part comedic, so <laughs> I want to say artistic purpose. But uh, <laughs> but I, um, I I claim in my show that I learned about it much earlier, and that my reaction was not as positive or whatever as it was in real life. So, because um, in real life that was, um, it made it made it was, was it what was your reaction? Because you're making it seem like it wasn't like one of uh sadness, but no, like, yeah. yeah, no, it wasn't. In fact, when my therapist, my psychologist who I was seeing at the time, told me, I'm not sure yet, but what things I'm noticing in you really point to this that you may have Asperger's. You'll need to take a test to find out officially, but I'm pretty sure you do. And I was like, "Wait, what? Wait, really? Wait, no, no, don't, don't push it away now. Wait, wait, wait let, let it grow, let it grow. I have Asperger's. Oh my God, this is incredible. You know, I, I had to keep everything. I had to use all my willpower not to suddenly like try to do a backflip or something because I thought finally an answer. No wonder I have all these issues that seem so intense and 
wear me out and make it hard for me to function in life in a way that would be so nice to the point I wanted to. And now, thanks to the getting it officially known through the test and the right medications and therapies and things I've been trying, I feel that I've come closer. I've come closer. It'll never be truly like a neurotypical, as far as I know, but that's part of my uniqueness as well. So it's just good to, one needs to be all that they can be. And so I feel that I am much more like that now. So you feel that the treatment that you received after that diagnosis has helped you? Yes, and I still I still get help. I'm seeing a hypnotherapist uh, as of late. We've had two sessions, uh-huh. and I already feel some positive reinforcement coming through it. For, for uh, what? Um, what? What do you do in the well, hypnotherapy sessions? Well, to, uh, to get rid of blocks that I may have inside psychologically and to become one with myself and, well, with the universe, as they say, uh, and it's not the kind of hypnosis where you suddenly TKO. Yeah. While that's while that exists, this is a kind one would think it that it's more meditation, but it, it's a form of hypnosis where you you're not your control is not taken away. Mm. You just got to be open to it, listen, and go with the suggestions and get to the bottom of things and keep searching. And it, it's it's both times it's felt quite good, and I feel like we've only just we have only just begun, and I feel that it will help me with my anxiety, my uh, negative issues, my self doubt issues. Uh, I've been working on that already, and now I feel like this will kick that up. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I I did it once a few times actually to stop smoking. Uh huh. Um, and it worked the first time. I quit for two years. <laughs> okay. Uh, after a hypnosis session, and then I I went eventually went back to smoking. Oh, uh, yeah. But then I had done it a few more times, and uh, I don't smoke anymore. I have good. A, yeah, for the most part, I I have an occasional <laughs> cigarette if I drink, but that's very seldom. And uh, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's powerful stuff. So they are ultimately kind of reinforcing positive affirmations when you're in this deep. Um, meditative type yes. place in between sleep and, and awakeness. Yes, yes. I'm not sure I'm going right to the middle of that point between awake and asleep, but I am. Maybe it is, but whatever it is, it feels like a good... Because you're conscious. More, more, yeah, I'm, more, I'm conscious, but I'm in a more tranquil place than I generally am. Uh, so I feel like I'm able... It's there for all of us. We just don't sometimes... It's like as we grow up, we are in a world that's very materialistic and focused on things have to be a certain way of a status quo. So this is helping me to not just go with that, to break away and, I guess, become the proverbial black sheep, (laughs) I suppose. Yeah, no, because I think there's a misconception that you're just in like a la-la land and the the person has the pendulum that's swinging and like looking deep into my eyes. But it's oh, not. Yes. It's not. It's not uh, really like that. No, it isn't. Th- there is the <laughs> hypnosis that is like that, and I'll be honest. I do have an interest in it. Uh, maybe I'll try that at some point if I can. Uh, I'd like to have some guardian there with me to make sure that I'm not stuck with something <laughs> right. like in the movie The Jade Scorpion. But yeah, yeah. Uh, if anyone knows that movie, yeah. you you probably uh, know. Woody Allen, right? Yeah, 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 the classic Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah. But there's a uh, hypnotist like that who does it in the therapeutic way, but also the comedic entertaining way in Las Vegas. Her name is Catherine Hickland. Have you ever heard of her? I have not. 
Well, she's a soap actress and she's so, she's a singer. She's been on stage and screen. Most people know her from the soaps. I know her as the on-screen and at the time real life wife of David Hasselhoff. Okay. She did three episodes of Night Rider with him as Stevie. Okay. Um <laughs> and nowadays one of her maybe her main big thing is doing a hypnosis show in Las Vegas and I'm watching this stuff and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You know, so I've <laughs> gone to one in it. New York. Um there was a comedy club it used to be called the um Oh, it was called Bananas. It was in the. Best I remember Western. that name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. there was an erotic hypnotist that we Ooh. went to see. <laughs> My girlfriend and I at the time. Um, it was a little embarrassing because it was like one of our oh, early yeah. dates. Oh no! And they called me on stage, yeah. and I wasn't hypnotized, but they made everyone in the room or everyone on stage with me rather. Um, he he implanted some suggestion that I smelled like rancid, <laughs> and uh, so everyone was like disgusted with me and i was like (laughs) sweating bullets on stage like this is terrible (laughs) now you said you weren't hypnotized but are you sure uh (laughs) as far as i'm aware right as far as i'm aware i wasn't yeah (laughs) um yeah so so now you have this uh show and you're and you're kind of detailing yeah the things social interactions that you go through like you had mentioned dating and yes. Online, uh, like most, a lot of people date online nowadays. Um, is that yeah. what you mentioned, if I remember correctly? And but then, like me interacting both online and in person, it's it's got to be. Uh, it, yeah. You, it sounds like you you hit some. Everyone does. Well, everyone, uh, yeah, everyone does. Yeah. yeah. My my issue my issue was I feel like uh, a lot of the times uh, that I will hit the wall. Uh, very soon it's like i barely it's like i'm it's finished before it's barely begun mm. uh and it's been still an issue to that i mean I'll, I'll be honest i am seeing someone now i'm very happy great happy yeah um she's a wonderful lady and she's also an entertainer actress singer lyricist um so you have a lot in common yes now she didn't we didn't talk about whether or not i'd really talk about her before the show she and i Perhaps it's best if I don't mention who she is. Okay. I don't know for sure right now. Perhaps I can mention it another time quickly on your show. But right. for now, I'm going to err on the side of not Fair doing enough. it. But yeah, <laughs> we respect that. Um, Thank you. So, so things are going well, and in uh, yeah. and but how did you get past the? Uh, you just gelled well better with her, like because yes. yeah, you had, you were talking about some of the the, the troubles that uh, you would had encountered because of Asperger's just communicating and connecting with people and how that made dating a little more uh, tedious maybe than for most others. It did. And and in my case, it made it barely existent. I could barely get a date. And uh, yeah, but I felt that I just clicked with this woman, which is part of what it is anyway for anyone. I'm sure obviously it is, but um, it's like, I couldn't even get dates very often. I would think that would at least be something, but uh in this case, I wasn't even trying, which yeah. is a very telling thing. I happened to meet her after one of my performances in the Fringe. I've been in the Fringe twice, by the way, Fringe Festival. Um, it's a great festival. It's wonderful to do. I love it. It's great. So, and Where is that again? Huh? Where is the Fringe? Uh, oh, well, um, it's in different parts of the world, actually, but in, it was out here in L.A. for me in Hollywood, and I, I did both seasons that I've done of that uh, festival at the Lounge mm. Theater, which is a very nice theater. Uh, there were some great people 
some great people running things behind the scenes and I had my people helping me as well. So it's great. So, um, we met after one of my performances, she happened to be there and we started talking and I didn't think for sure that it would really become what it did, but, uh, isn't it strange uh, when you're not looking for something that that's when it actually comes into place? Yes. I mean, it's a very common scenario that's hard to accept for me even now, but (laughs) I'm I'm more open to it, and well, look what happens. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's proof. Yeah. Um, when did you start playing piano? You said you started playing piano in your late teens. Um, you... I was in my twenties. I think. I think I was. Um, I mean, when I really started learning, I was living out here in L.A. Um, I don't remember exactly what my age was, but I started as a. I don't. I think that I mentioned before as a little boy on the air, did I mention that I was plunking on it as a kid? No, no. I, don't, I don't think you did. Okay, if well, you did, I'm sorry, I missed. No, it. that's okay. Well, well, you'll you. I'll go if back you have to cut and paste anything, <laughs> it's great. We'll play, we'll play I love editing. <laughs> I, I love editing. I think editing is one of the great things yeah. in life. No, so, <laughs> so, um, so it's true. I had plunked as a kid and actually figured out the, some of the root chords. You play with three fingers. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Yes, and putting yes. some cover tunes yeah. together a little bit. Yeah. I got bored of it and, you know, my attention span didn't let me continue with it. What right. can I tell you? Not an uncommon thing for anyone, no matter what their brain wiring is, it can be, but that's what happened there. Uh, you, you, yeah, so you got yeah. bored of it as a kid. Like, I played sax as a kid Oh, and I hated it. Uh, well, that's but, another story. Yeah, but then I, um, you know, I found guitar, and then I could lock myself in my room for hours and just and learn how to play it. See, that's a little different than yeah. what happened with me, but yes, but that's great. I know you are a guitarist and a bass guitarist, which mm-hmm. is really great. Um, that's something I want to talk about with you beyond this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, well, years later, when I was nineteen or twenty, I decided to take my first voice lesson because. What was leading up to that? Well, I loved music always, and then I also loved the idea of how it was made, not just performed live, but also in a studio, and the band jamming and right. you know laying down the tracks. And I thought, uh, well, there's that. And I've sung along with the radio, and there was a time when people said, hey, not bad. Sure, it was along with the radio, but it didn't right. ruin the radio listening experience. <laughs> And so you could keep in in tune with the yeah, whatever song was playing on the radio. Exactly. And I did not too shabbily is that a word shabbily? I think so. Um it, it is now. When I when I had my bar mitzvah. Yeah. It wasn't an amazing shakes vocally, but I guess between that and the radio thing I thought I had potential and I thought, well, maybe with voice lessons I can actually become a singer. So I started voice lessons. Did you have a, a, an interest in being on stage with having eyes on you? Yes. And, yeah. Yes. And uh, so the performance was part of it as well. And yes. More than the singing, the actual theat- sort of theatrical or acting or... Well, yeah. I mean, in a, in a way, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe because I'm an actor as well, maybe that's why I think of it this way as a lot of people who are actors and musicians, but there is the emotional connection with the music that you have and then you you express that to your audience and then they they give back to you it's just like if you're doing a play or a television show or a movie or or something radio obviously <laughs> same same idea in a different way but it's all a performance and if you're not an actor you still need to find a way to connect that way with the music in my opinion or else it's just notes 
that aren't really doing anything. Hmm. So um, when was your first public performance? I know you mentioned bar, your bar mitzvah, but <laughs> after the bar mitzvah. Um, musically, well, um, officially, I I want to say it was at a club called Don't Tell, pardon, pardon Don't Tell Mamas in New York. It was in a New York club. Yeah, I uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. My niece just performed there. Really? Yeah, she's part oh. of um, some kind of troupe. I, oh. I, I, I'm not sure exactly, but she like my my uh, brother in law just played a clip and it was "Don't Tell Mama." So I was like, "Why does that sound so familiar?" So okay, so that's a club that's known for what? What, what type of show did you do there? Uh, well, that, it, it's a cabaret night. Cabaret, club. right? Yeah. Right. So it's not so, like jazz bands or rock bands or. Well, actually, I mean, do they have all kinds? As, of stuff? as yeah, as far as tradition, you think of a cabaret club. It's Along the lines of a jazzy sort of follies, like um, vaudevillian thing yeah, cool. in its roots. But um, the thing with the the people who produce the shows there, they would say in their slogan, oh, we have everything from rock to opera. Nice. Which And, and they did. I mean, yeah. they had that those two genres and everything in between. So, and it was great. It seems like a great, great club. It is. Yeah. It is. And it was great while it lasted. I mean, I, I would go there to do the open mic. And I did a, a six, five or six song showcase there. Although now that I think of it, that might not have been my first. I did another club where I did a a longer set of all cover tunes at the time because I hadn't gotten my writing out yet. I don't know if I was writing songs yet. Yeah. But I sang songs by Peter Allen, Neil Diamond, The Doors, The Beatles, people cool. who have inspired me. And uh, So you learned those all on piano? Or well, not at the to, time. At the yeah. time, I wasn't learning to play yet. Right, right. The only th- piano playing I'd done was as the kid, and I still hadn't gotten back into it with lessons yet. But I was so acapella? I have a good no, no. I sang with tracks. I also had a, a musician or two at the time that would oh. play along with me behind cool. me. Yeah, and I, I mean, I happen to have a good ear for these things, even with a good ear. Though it's good to have some instrumental capability to get yeah. your ideas out, which I finally accept. But yeah, I was singing these songs and. Were you nervous to get on stage for the first time? Oh, very, yeah, very. I still get nervous. Yeah. What, no matter what kind of performing I'm getting up to do, the adrenaline's pumping, and there's this realization you're about to go out there and lay it all on the line in front of Show different amounts of people. To a, but a room yeah, full it's, of people. Yeah, whether it's solo or an ensemble or whatever. Was, yeah. How do you uh, cope? Like, how do, how do you deal with that? Do you have a, some people have a shot? Some people just meditate. Yeah. Some people do like. Do you have a a thing? Do, do, you, do you go by yourself or do you prefer to be with people before you get on stage? Well, yeah. I mean, there are always those two buckets in the corner of the back of the stage. No. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping that would be a somewhat good joke. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very it, though, comedic, but I'm not yeah. officially a comedian. I'm not going to lie about that. But no, let's yeah, be, yeah. It's, but no, it's um, nerve-wracking before you get It is there. nerve-wracking. I do my, my best to center myself. I... With this hypnosis therapy and meditation now, there's going to be more breathing practice. I go over notes that my director gave me to help me rem- remember key points symbolically to, um, to to remember how that I'm about to go on and do this, but this will help me focus, you know. Yeah. There, um, my, one of my heroes from, uh, you know, as far as how he's done things, David Hasselhoff, some people are probably going to be laughing and like crazy out there, but I, you know, he he's is a hero. In, uh, in Germany, well, as a singer, yeah, yeah I mean, he 
he was he was big in America for a long time as an actor. I like yeah. think he still I is. Know that, like, but Baywatch, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, for me it was Night Rider first. Night Rider, but, right? Of course. But Baywatch, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Night Rider for me it will be first, not only but first. <laughs> but he, in his life, in his book, he wrote about these five steps that uh, he would use to help him get through and to stay positive. There are these power of positive thinking book that he had and. The five steps are this. You're here for a reason. Take it easy. You can do this. Believe in yourself. Let go and have fun. And Great I think steps. I've gotten a little better at that and other, yeah. other sub things that I've been given through my director and other philosophies, things I've read about. And yeah, you know, I feel I relate in ways to the Hoff because he has ADHD. Does he? He does. And he, he started out as an a theater guy, musical theater guy, and then he broke through first as a television actor and then, amazingly, became a big singer in Europe yeah. and kept doing different things. Eventually, he finally hit musical theater here in America and in England and other countries, which was, ironically, his first goal. It was never film, TV, or pop music. Go figure. The Knight Rider? Yeah. The Baywatch yeah. guy? Musical theater? Well, okay. Wow. And so if he can do that as brilliantly the way he does these things, maybe I can too. Yeah. So he's inspirational. And having met the guy and how sweet and nice he was to me at these events that he was at, I thought, okay, everything you do, even if it's something not 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 a good thing, it's brilliant. I don't care. Yeah. Because he just lived way beyond my expectations. He, um, so, so do you believe in like the, so he was in, in his book, they talk about the power of positive thinking, yes. the power of like intention. Yes. I think it was like William Dyer who, who would write the power of intention, but okay. like basically think and grow rich. There's so many books, the secret. Like, oh yeah. I've heard yeah, of these yeah, books. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oprah so, made that, made that one a big one and that really took off. Skyrocketed. She, yeah. she helped whenever she puts her name to something, it often becomes <laughs> <Right>. gold. <laughs> Yeah. So, but it's a similar form of thinking that uh, you have to think positively, yes. and then those positive things manifest. Is that sort of your philosophy? Well, I'm trying to ad adopt that, and I feel that I've adopted it much more than I used to. Um, reflexively, uh, you know, I, I think I'm generally a very positive person at the core. You know, don't judge someone. Actually, it's an interesting point. Don't judge someone by what they are outwardly. Uh, what's happening with them at the moment necessarily because that might not be not not really be that person right. it's just stuff that's affected them that they've become programmed to which we all do ha do or sure. have but at the core there's a there's a hidden truth maybe it's not that hidden maybe it's just one needs to see it realize it, and understand it more clearly mm -hmm. which is more to the point of my show as well um, I think at the core, I am a very positive person mm -hmm. I've just had to reconnect with it and realize everything for a reason and that things will happen. You just got to focus and try and and uh, be open to things that can help you. Yeah. And, and I mean, another thing about having Asperger's, you know, one thing that can make an Aspie fly off the wall or get really panicked is that concept called change. Mm. It's so simple. A lot of people just go with it. But in a lot of cases, maybe not every Aspie has it this way, but in cases like with me, something's going to change inside you feel like your world's ending you 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 get that physical sensation feeling of dread and just overwhelming anxiety and i still have that yeah but i de i think i deal with it better than i used to 
I've been told I do, and while that may always be, while that may always be an issue for me, at least I'm able to deal with it better in a way that's not just dealing with it. Like I can truly live and realize, oh, I've been here before. It'll work out. I'm feeling this way right now, but that's all it is, is a feeling. And I need to embrace it, but go through this and everything's ultimately going to be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So it is a constant sort of thing, like a day-to-day thing. Like I've had uh, issues with depression and stuff. Yeah. But um, sometimes I could get a grip on it. Sometimes it's a little more challenging too. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it, you know, it's important to like you were saying to find realize it's a temporary thing and that, you know, right. you could, um, to get through it. And like, cause some of your, the, like the, um, no signal zone like that. It's, it's a yeah. dark song in a lot of it ways. Is. Yeah. It's it a is. dark song in a lot of ways. Uh, yes. this room that I'm in feels like <sighs> I'm in a coffin, uh, miles underground. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's, and not, I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, a, a a dark place to be a place that a lot maybe people can relate to that when they're feeling really down um yeah it does the songwriting help like when you're writing these things out does that help you get out of that place or does it help Um, you make sense of that place it helps me to make at times it helps me to make sense of it even if it doesn't make me feel better yet i mean on some level it would because well i now i have a way of uh expressing it i've put it into a, a form that perhaps depicts it very well to someone who will understand it. Right. And I've I've get, I've been given praise for that song for one, and I'm glad I have because yes, it's dark, but there are there is darkness sometimes in the world, and and there are people who have darkness, so it's important to be able to express it. You mentioned that you're influenced. I believe you meant to say that you're influenced by the late Kurt Cobain, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I was a, a very big Nirvana fan. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well. I mean, I'm, people. I'm a big Nirvana fan, right? Of course, yeah. Well, I well, well. There you go. I mean, you're still a big fan because the message is one of relatability, or, or the expression the relatability. I mean, it's. I mean, it's just unfortunate that on that. Those very issues on you know they took Kurt in the end. It's you know, I'm very sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, either way though, you listen to these songs; they're relatable. Uh, I mean, I don't listen to Nirvana as much because that style is not as doesn't speak to doesn't you. doesn't gel with me as much yeah. but i respect it i respect it and uh i you know i get why people relate to different things so mm. it's still a very legitimate art form very it must not be silenced yeah yeah so um but when you when you wrote that song and then yeah. the video is on youtube and you're playing it <laughs> yes. yeah i mean you're what your um, emotional state is is like almost palpable when you're you do a little intro and you go into the yeah into the song so yeah it's a heavy heavy song it's it a beautiful is. song thank you oh yeah, yeah thank it's you a, it's, I, a be- it's a heavy I, one yeah it is yeah well I that was one at least one time when I was at my heaviest in well uh, in uh, what I was feeling when I wrote that um, actually at the time my vocal instructor and I were had been having a lesson. He's a musician, and that's that was the day when a nationwide power outage happened, and he started. Uh, oh yeah, that was like uh, two thousand and something. Something like yeah, yeah. Right. not too far after nine eleven, like maybe two thousand four, two thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for, for I remember God that. willing, not whole, related like, to nine eleven. Yeah, but yeah. Still, the whole yeah. East Coast like went out. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I didn't. We didn't realize the extent at the time, but 
the power was out, so we couldn't keep recording a lesson. We couldn't uh, work on recording more songs at the time. He's a musician, but he picked up his guitar, and we went into this other room and sat in the dark, though the daylight was coming through, which is good. Um, that could be a good metaphor. <laughs> and he starts playing these general chords. Now I start, and, and the lyrics to what would become No Signal Zone started coming out of me, and so it was partly influenced because of this literal power outage, but, you know, lots of things people can use to relate to themselves. Mm. So maybe a literal, like, power outage of electricity and all these things made me relate to how I feel in life. Like, I'm living in a power outage in my own prison in some ways, perhaps. And so that triggered me, that and his guitar playing triggered it out of me. So Interesting. And yeah. uh, you... you you said heavier. I mean, you were heavier physically too when you were. <laughs> well, oh, yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. um, and you've lost a considerable amount of, of weight. Yes. Um, I used to weigh like around 236, 38. And now my weight fluctuates just a little bit, but yeah. I'm generally in a good lower area. I, I weighed myself today, actually, and I'm at just about 192.2. That's great. Um, and how does that affect you mentally? That's got to be a mentally uh, a, a great feeling. It is. It's it's very achieving. Yeah, I still worry before I get up on the scale, but that's because I have a tendency to worry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe through these hypno sessions, I'll be able to channel that in an even better way. But uh, yeah, it feels much better, much more accomplished. I'm healthier yeah. than I was. I mean, how much one weighs can affect one's health in other other aspects. Right. Never mind how you look, but it's how you feel and also how it's affecting your health. And uh, I've been doing much better with that. I feel a little more confident because I feel I've gained much more control over how I do this. I One of the things, my Asperger's affected my eating. I... I've been a comfort eater. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, rela you relate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even if it wasn't ex exactly about comfort at the time, being a person of enthusiasm, I love to eat. I love yeah. big portions of sure. everything. It's not, a good, it's not a good way to go, at least not for me. No. And, for and being that I have a hypothyroid as well, that adds to the negative aspect of that. So I finally accepted what my nutritionist at the time was telling me after three visits. And I was like, okay okay, enough is enough. I've got to cut my portions down, yeah. eat less, and realize that if, if there are times where the urge to eat is there, it might not be out of hunger. It could be because of sadness or depression, yeah. depression or boredom right. or being anxious, so find something else to do. Yeah. And that's generally been working for me so great. Can I ask so uh, what you yeah. do for, some, for someone who does that too? Because like if uh -huh. I have... Uh, uh -huh. a pizza or whatever, Chinese food, right. I don't stop right. eating until it's, it, till it's gone. Ah, so okay. you know, like, and it, but it's like you said, boredom, like sadness, right. like it could be a lot of different things that it could trigger be. that. But portion control can be difficult. Yeah, uh, or it could be it, perhaps. I'm look, I'm no authority on yeah, any yeah. of this. I'm just putting forth my take on it and things I've been told and learned by legitimate, you know, professionals. Mm -hmm. But it could also be a somewhere in your mind. Maybe you're not recognizing how much of something there really is mm -hmm. until it's gone. Yeah. Perhaps. And sometimes it is enthusiasm. The mind and the mouth want much more than the stomach is supposed to take in. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been told. And it's not a crime. It's not an uncommon thing. It's yeah. just something to be aware of. Sure. Um, I have that. Yeah. Even now, it's not like it's something necessarily it's that you're vanished. cured of. It's right. just 
you you remember things to sort of stay on the wagon. A lot of people have vices. One of mine is food. Right. I don't touch a drop of alcohol. I just don't care to. I don't want to smoke anything. Right. I don't take medical marijuana. I might need to at some point, but I don't like to smoke anything or do that. One of my vices is food. Sure. And perhaps I'm not saying for sure that's yours, that food in and unto itself is your vice. Maybe it is, right. but it was mine. And I would eat big portions, eat too much. It's like you, what you're seeing, you, your, your eyes and your mind and your mouth want more than your stomach and your, your digestive tract can take. Yeah, yeah. And truly realizing that psychologically or connecting that and remembering that can really help. You say when you get something, you, you know, you eat, you keep eating it until it's gone. Maybe you don't stop doing that, but maybe you just realize that it doesn't have to be gone as soon as it's been. You can make it last longer. Oh, sure. Do you yeah. do you do something like take a walk? Like you had mentioned, walking kind of sets off those endorphins. It- oh yeah. Well, I I was walking a lot for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my exercise habits were hardly ever an issue. My eating habits were where I fell short, or gotcha. rather, I fell big, which was probably gotcha, yeah. gotcha. But. Um, in realizing this, the walks help better. I'm walking harder, faster, stronger, which is which is great. Um, walking is one thing I, I do. Another thing is realizing that while I may want more of something, you know what? Don't keep eating the same thing or things. Switch to something else. Like one doctor, it may have been Dr. Andrew Weil or it may have been a local doctor that we were seeing in New Jersey at the time. I forget which one, but if you feel like eating more, Make sure that the more is something like vegetables, gotcha. because that's better. And in my case, I might do that, or I'll have another apple or two instead of eating more chicken or more pasta or yeah. more calzone or more uh, whatever. whatever yeah. You know, because it's like better to eat that. And then at some point, you realize, oh, maybe I don't really want more. Maybe I'm just maybe it's still a nervous tick. Yeah. Find something else to put focus and concentration on to so move your energy someplace else yes yes exactly um exactly you grew up in new jersey that's right yeah i'm a i'm a jersey boy uh oh what a night late december 1963 i just want to sing a little (laughs) please um so jersey boys you know yeah when did you come out west what what, how old you? why i came out in january of oh six or February of 06. Yes, um, because, well, for a long time, I realized that the direction I was moving in was the kind where you need to be in L.A. for. I, As an actor, I want to pursue film and television. I want to be on film and or television. And as a singer, singer-songwriter, I want it to be the uh, popular music, not right. just musical theater. See, New York, as great as it is, it's still more about theater and modeling than the other stuff when it comes to the entertainment industry. Like Broadway yeah. and that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and out here, even though stuff is being filmed more in different areas, it stems still from L.A., film, TV, and generally speaking, pop music as a general term, sure. pop, you know, popular music. Like every album in the world has been recorded in Burbank. Virtually, yeah, yeah. Burbank, yeah. So for that reason... For that, for those three aspects, the music, the film, and the TV, that's where I'm headed. It's what I wanted. I wanted to move to L.A., and then other people were saying, you know, you really should. You'd be right for L.A. for your yeah. goals. 
And so I thought, well, I got to get there. So one day I just bought my ticket and I stayed with someone who I'd met in New York. Uh, thank God for that. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been able to do it at the time. Yeah. But it was wonderful. Uh, um, and what are your, you've been here now for more than a decade. Yeah, I've been 12 years plus. Yeah. And things have started happening for me that I think are, you know, it's it's for the long run. I mean, it takes a long time, yeah, but it's yeah. something that's finally a continuous development. Sure. Because uh, the other things I did did not necessarily have that, or I didn't didn't jump on that aspect of them the right way at the time. But I'm a little stronger with my knowledge now, and more aware. Do you love? Do you like living in LA? Yes, do I do. Um, do you miss things about Jersey? Bagels, <laughs> White Castle, perhaps. I never ate in White Castle okay. that I know of. <laughs> Otherwise, the, the answer person. to that would have been yes. Second person? Yeah. No, uh, I, I interviewed a writer, uh-huh. uh, E. Lily Yu, and she grew up in Jersey. She lives in, I believe, Seattle now. Oh. But uh, that's always my question for some reason, because I love White Castle. Oh, do cool. you miss White Castle? And she's like, I never had it. <laughs> you know, so. no, yeah. I like I liked some of the commercials for that place, <laughs> including the one with the late, great Don Adams, of, <laughs> best known as Maxwell Smart, Agent yeah. 86 of Control. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chief. No. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Yeah, I like to do some imitations, but... <laughs> But yeah, no, um, I didn't eat there mainly because I living in a kosher house, kosher gotcha, lifestyle. Gotcha. So I was like, yeah, no, no, don't eat there. Right. But you know, but uh, well, I, I'm not sure exactly what particularly I miss about it. But there's that general feeling of familiarity. Mm-hmm. I mean, New York, well, New Jersey was my home, and I lived there before I moved here. Yeah, I hadn't really lived anywhere else outside of that. They Bergen County, New Jersey, right next to New York for the first chunk of my life until mm-hmm. I was born there and until I was 26, 27, I forget exactly how much. Until then, I had been on trips to a couple different places, yeah. including out LA, yeah. but I hadn't lived anywhere else truly yeah. outside that general area that I had lived in. Yeah. And then suddenly I f- decide I'm moving out here. Was that exciting? Was that? Were you nervous? Were you, what were you feeling? Both like of those Boarding things. the plane. Uh, well, boarding the plane, I was a bit emotional, but I was also excited. There was that weird feeling of, well, I'm not going home to my parents tonight. Yeah. You know, and there were a couple times when I broke down, not not having a, a what, do you, what do you call that? A, uh, I wasn't a hysterical. I yeah. wasn't having a hysterical meltdown, but I got emotional a couple of times. But just a couple of times, really. And for me, that was big not to fall apart like that because yeah. I'd fall apart in a day camp let alone a sleepaway camp at first yeah but for this i just got emotional a couple times there were people there they let me cry on their shoulders a couple people nice it was nice and yeah but then i got through that in that gentle easy way ultimately and then i was fine and i've been fine now my parents have moved out here since and i'm glad because i i want to be out here but i don't want us to be three thousand miles apart or whatever you know so that's cool. But yeah, yeah, so I'm living in LA and I do wish I could visit New Jersey and New York for the old feeling and the way that those places are and being that I, I grew up there. Yeah. But I hope to be able to visit more regularly at some point in my life, but I need to live out here to do what I'm doing. Sure. And so this is where yeah, it's at. A, and LA is very nice. On the mission. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I moved out here in September and um only this recent yeah september and um yeah we love it uh we've been out here a few times before but yeah for sure the hardest part is family being away from family so we get back when we can but um definitely and now all my family really from new jersey is here just my parents the ones who still talk to us who 
keep in touch with us. You know, it's just it's just mom, dad, and me now from New Jersey. So yeah. they're out here. It's taken care of. You know. Nice. So it, so it makes it a little easier to be missing New York and New Jersey. It's not as tough of a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you did a um, you did a Dirty Ghosts video, the band. Yes, v- oh, Dirty Ghosts. Oh yes, it's a great song. Cataract. It is. Yeah. In a cataract, coming from my yeah, yeah, eyes yeah. won't go away. I I think I may have uh, gotten the lyrics wrong. Sorry, Dirty Ghosts. <laughs> it's nothing personal. I think the Dirty Ghosts uh, took a break or a hiatus, and is that right? they are back together now. And oh, they good. Are doing a show, uh, upcoming show, but it's a great, uh, great video. Um, <laughs> it looks like you got it's a lot fun. of exercise in that. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good point. I did. Well, I weighed a lot more at the time. Yeah. That was that was during a point when I weighed a lot more. And I was playing a comedic role for it, of course, because yeah. I, I, I tend to, I am comical, I exert comedy first. It's who I am. Well, it's, 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 it's a big part of me that comes out naturally first, generally, I guess. So, so I run with it. And the, the people who filmed that video for, well, for the band, let alone me, were the same people that had done a show I'd been on called Hot Package, which I wish had stayed on. You ever heard of it? I'm not going to lie. I haven't heard of it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Most people I asked hadn't, and I guess I was realizing inside. Oh, things no, are, things sorry, aren't looking sorry, good for I the know. show. I tried to no, do research okay. beforehand, but it's I didn't. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, it was a short-lived show. Two seasons. Okay, short seasons because uh, that's I mean, how that's they were great. supposed to be. But it, uh, the episodes were ten minutes each. Okay, and they were parodying entertainment news programs. Okay, and there were sketches in it, and I was in these sketches. I was only in season two. But I was I was loving it. It was one of my favorite, absolute favorite gigs ever. Cool. I was in different sketches, wearing funny stuff, being funny, and even sang with an attractive uh, female <laughs> singer in one sketch. Uh, yeah. A song that was written for the show. I didn't write it. Okay. She didn't write it either. I think it was written for the show. But we, I sang and I I faked the piano because the melody was already there, but. Having an ability to really play helped me to fake so it, could, being an right, actor. Right. So you do good on like the Thanksgiving Day Parade or something on one of the floats, like you pretend, <laughs> pretend to play. Right, right, okay. yeah, that's like that. But <laughs> we filmed for it took almost the whole week to film, and I was loving that. Yeah, I thought it was going to be on for just four days. Oh, we want you for a fifth day. We want you for a sixth day. Yes, cool. And I loved I so you loved, loved being there. Anyway, so comedy. the people who well, I love comedy. I like I like drama too, but comedy is a little easier. For me, maybe because I, I don't like conflict, and I am ultimately can be an emotional guy, and it, but it's good to get in touch with the darker, dramatic stuff into good emotional stuff as well. But um, had fun with that, and then the same people, production like people who were filming that show and being in it, some of them they were filming the video for the band, and then they I got called in to do that as well. And I was like, oh great, yeah, let's go. So I hope to work someday with Derek Beckles uh, and company again because it it's fun. It's fun. That's a fun video. That's a really it fun was, video. Yeah. yeah, you're wearing like hammer pants, kind of MC Hammer. Type yeah, pants. and that tank top. Yeah, you know, I I wore sunscreen that day, but I forgot to reapply it enough times, so my shoulders and maybe the back of my neck or something. Got badly burned that day. <laughs> so but that, otherwise, that was outside. Most of, like, well, yeah. most of it was. But other than that, burning cool it was fun. Filter, yeah, oh yeah, it was fun. Um, and uh, is it Big Mamas and Papas? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Not to. These are things I'm finding on YouTube. Oh, it's. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you. I would have forgotten some of these things. I thank you. <laughs> do, you do you enjoy the pizza? Uh, is coming from New I Jersey. Did. Someone who I love pizza. Yeah. I haven't been able to eat. 
Well, I can still eat pizza, but it can't have certain ingredients in it because I have an issue that I'm getting checked out physically. It may be a simple thing. I won't go into any details because okay. it'll be gross. But one thing I can't have is tomato product or certain spices at the moment. Okay. Though that may be finally changing soon, please. Yes. Halavai Baruch Hashem, you know, please. <laughs> but... Um, Yes, I love pizza, and I enjoyed that gig while it lasted. Yeah. I I was hosting these segments, being like a host and maybe kind of sort of commentator with these uh, competitive pizza eaters. Yeah, yeah. And I learned something. It's not like it was hard for me to, for this to click in, but competitive eating oh, yeah. is legitimate as a sport, and it seems brutal. <laughs> it's not just about being hungry like, like you didn't eat anything yet in the day. Uh-huh. There are people who will eat, you know, that day before they're going to competitively eat. Yeah. Because it's not about so much being hungry. It can help, but it's an it's a sport like a lot of Olympic things. Yeah, yeah. And these people are serious. I, and some people can't, some people, unfortunately, they make themselves throw up when oh, they do God. it. It's scary, but yeah. it is a... I believe a legit sport, it should be taken a little more seriously than I guess that it is. Maybe I need to research more, but... What is it? Uh, Joey Joey Chestnut, the hot dog eating uh, champion. I and, forgot his at, name, but at you're at probably Coney right. Island, yeah, he could eat like obscene a number of oh hot dogs. God. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Um, it is. So, so you would host this competition, and uh, what was the most pizza anyone ate? Um, well, I don't remember exactly, okay. but I, I I remember one guy named Hader, H-A-D-A-R, or something like that, and his buddy, and they were champions, and the first segment I did, they were there, and I think they, yeah, they won. I think they got dethroned another time or two after that, but some people, they the way they ate, I was just like, well, Big Mamas and Papas, they make like a pizza the size of this table, right? Uh, like, yes, uh, they do. Yeah, and yes. uh, it's got to be a feat just eating that. But well, it a was. People. I never tried eating that size. <laughs> I would get not only paid, but I got free pizza, which nice. was good and bad for me at the time right, because sure. I was still overweight. But uh-huh. I enjoyed that gig while it lasted. Unfortunately, that well dried up and they stopped calling me, but I guess it was time for them to move on. I wish it could have continued. It's entertaining. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And it gets the word out there. Honestly, it does. It does. We ordered yeah. from Big Mamas and Papas the other day because uh-huh. of that video, partially. Which uh, one? The, your audition uh, video. Oh, really? Because yeah, we're oh, like, I'm flattered. Okay. Yeah, we'd like to have <laughs> some. You know, where's there good pizza around here? We've tried a Thank couple you. of the local spots. They're okay, but we're still looking for like the, you know, the perfect pizza. True. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know the uh, the owners, the actual owners of. Uh, the 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 chain are sweet people, really nice. I, re, I that I remember, and just really lovely people. So, they're they're, they're you know props to them. Cool as well. Yeah, uh, creating karma. Uh, you played, ah yes, uh, that seemed like a fun project. It You're was a struggling New York poet. Yes, and let me take you on a journey to a mystic place <laughs> where the mandrake grows. Da 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 da. Don't worry about it. You are karma, creating karma. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a nice song, Beautiful. right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's a, that's the uh, title track to the movie. I didn't sing it in the movie, but there was this other guy who sang it. Um, I enjoyed making that movie. It was fun. It was a satire about struggling poets, and it's a similar message to my show, actually, about being in touch, letting your true self come out and be your true self. 
the the leading lady plays a woman who was born to hippie like parents in the hippie generation, but over the years she becomes very rigid in this corporate business like way. It puts a bad over. spin on business yeah, people, yeah. but I guess that's the way to depict it. Yeah. But I mean, she's lost her true poetic self. She stopped writing her poetry. But through these experiences, she gets back into writing it and goes to this poetry jam. And I play the co-host, if you will, or I, I play like the I play the jingle guy who sings, "Pass the puppet, pass the puppet, pass the puppet," and I'm faking the ukulele and singing and uh, and and I do basically bad poetry in in the uh, I'm I'm like a sl- I'm a somewhat daft. Uh, a daft, like delirious, eccentric guy uh-huh. in in this that's reoccurring throughout the movie, and I end the movie too. Um, it was cool to be in a movie that made into a festival that was in theaters with the uh, you know on the marquee, and my name was pretty noticeable in the opening and closing credits too. And yeah, yeah, you know, we 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 had we had fun doing it, and and being in a movie with that included even Karen Lynn Gorney. You know that name. Not by name. No. Well, she was in soaps and television a lot, but perhaps she's best known as Stephanie McDonald. No, from uh, the the uh, one of the romantic interests to Tony Manero okay. in Saturday Night Fever. Okay, yes. Remember yes, now? Yes. Now, yeah, now, you think of the poster and the movie and the yeah. two of them dancing together. Okay. Yeah, that's Karen. Lind- she's a singer songwriter too. She's got a lot of talent. She's, you know, she's. I guess she's best known for that, or maybe for diehard soap fans for being in soap operas. Yeah. But but uh, I hope she's content and happy still as well. She seems like a pretty nice lady too. So. That's great. That sounds like a great yeah. experience. Uh, is, was, was the character something you could relate with? Um. <laughs> um, well, in some ways, yes. I mean, I played a character who didn't really get it all. I mean, he thought he was doing everything brilliantly and he wasn't. I, I just meant you know, like someone who who is making art and oh, um, you know like as an artist who's um, that too yeah. yeah yeah I you know just I didn't mean in a in a negative way no 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 that's yeah. cool but no see um, yes I agree with you there are important factors here to recognize and I'm not I'm not trying to say it in a negative way really it's just that I mean there it, it's it's even cool now to realize it. Um, I mean, this is in a way an exaggeration in some ways. In some ways not. But this character is saying poetry that's basically not working and he doesn't realize it. He thinks he's brilliant. And there's a scene where, as the character, I'm tr- I'm supposed to be flirting with the woman whose name is Karma. Yeah. But she's already obviously, you can tell, physically and mentally involved romantically with, with this other guy in the film. Um, but it's like I'm not... I'm, I'm getting sort of getting in their way socially and it's a social mistake but i don't get it and i don't get the fact that my poetry is basically bad and i keep also flirting with nancy the waitress who flips the bird at me and is you know looking not enthusiastic and i it's not clicking in with me and it's cool to realize now that that's so aspie relatable aspie friendly Mm. but the artistic element i realized that throughout the whole film of being true to yourself like i said before and yeah letting it come out and breaking free from the prison that we put ourselves into. No, I've got to be this. Yeah. Well, no, this is really me. Yeah, There's nothing yeah. wrong with mixing both, but don't avoid who you truly, who truly are. are. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really um, a yeah. powerful message. It is. And I thank Jill Wissoff for 
casting me in that role. She said she had me in mind, but I still didn't take for granted that the role was mine. Yeah. She said she wrote the role I played with me in mind. That's happened before where other people and then the got recast, but sure. thank God I didn't. And I got to be in that nice, uh, fun movie. And I thank Jill Wissoff for casting me in that. Um, you had mentioned the the struggle between being an artist and mm. corporate. Uh, I don't want to say temptation, but the reality <laughs> of being you know living in America where there's bills and life and things and uh, so many things. Yeah. Um, could you just uh, I mean talk a little bit about that? How does how do you approach that? Like <laughs> um, because I, it's something that I you know every, most people deal with the, who are trying to to make art and you know it's true. Well. Um, for a long time, I was very focused on only going after my chosen career. And for a long time, I mean, I mean, for a long time, that's what that's all I wanted to do. I was thinking I was going to put this part in my show, but then my director suggested that's one thing I need to leave out because it may seem too self-serving, like overly self-serving, the script. Maybe for another show I'll do it or something, but this really happened. I kid you not, and it's it's hard for me to believe it was ever the case, you know, the thought. My father, who can be a tough crowd, not the toughest. I mean, he's great, but he can be blunt about things in some ways. We're walking around New Jersey one day, and I'm talking about, well, I was looking into this job and that job, you know, to support myself. And yeah. Dad says, "Look, Jeremy, you know, you're 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 going into New York to to the acting schools right now, spending your time doing that and training." And spending time going on auditions and yeah. trying to get gigs and maybe other lessons and stuff. Forget about a day job for right now. Don't don't worry yourself and overwhelm yourself with that. Forget about that. Just focus on all your acting stuff. Yeah. And I looked at him and said, thanks. And what was that? You smoked again? You know, because <laughs> my father said that? Yeah, yeah. That's just unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still hard to believe. Now, since then, we've all agreed that I need to be earning money though still they're not they haven't tried to put pressure on me to forget the the uh, show business yeah um and thank god i mean i still had trouble actually getting work not for lack of effort but getting a day job yeah that was something i i rarely got an interview for not yeah. for lack of effort but it was like why am i putting myself through all this effort if it's amounting to really nothing it's a waste of time yeah then recently a man hired me uh, to be his personal assistant, a friend of a friend of a friend that I've met, and it was like networking. I was like, again, kismet. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just got to realize that, see the doors opening, and be willing to walk in and try. Yeah. And so I'm making a little money now between my uh, work as a singer, as an actor, and all that, and it's yeah. it's great. So that's how I've been dealing with it for a long time. I just couldn't get a day job. Yeah. I was trying to get one, but I was just trying my best to do what I was doing, and then finally now. I go to my part-time job while it's lasting, mm. and I still look for other part-time jobs because I'll eventually need that, but um, uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But yeah. I try to keep a realistic approach, but without thinking in terms of, well, this is going to fall back career because I'll need to eventually. This will never happen. Yeah, yeah. Even if even if I don't make it until I'm 80, yeah. I'm going to always be uh, pursuing this, and I'm 38 now and change, and I... I want to make it not just to be a a fame whore, right. but I want to make it because I have messages and things to teach and express and to learn Definitely. from everyone. I want my career to have longevity like people like Billy Joel, Elton yeah, John, yeah. Stevie Wonder, maybe even Paul McCartney, 
though I'll make an exception here, let's say as a, a, his post-Beatle career, uh, which I like to think still holds merit. I mean, as a Beatle, he'll always be known as that first, but uh, I don't think anyone will ever get as big as the Beatles were, but maybe it could be like Paul or John in that post-Beatle phase. I don't know. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to balance. Um, yeah. I've had desk jobs that I've, I felt morbidly miserable, yeah. miserable, miserable uh, at where it just, it was like a drudge to, to do anything. And oh, I, God, I yeah. felt like I was wasting life and I, we drove out here. I had a good job in New York, like yeah. not the best. Okay. But, uh, I, I wrote technical manuals and, uh, interesting. I was like, I can't, I need to to do this myself. Uh, currently, I work in an ice cream shop. Oh, I didn't know. I thought uh, maybe this was your bread and butter only, but that's uh, cool. Yeah, hey, I do this, and I also write scripts, and I do yeah. music, and uh, I I just keep creating. Um, Obviously, yeah, and but, and uh, and as a bonus helper, you you have work in an ice cream shop, <laughs> which sounds uh, very tempting too in terms of yeah. all that ice cream there. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, uh, you told me another dangerous thing. Be, be careful. I'm, you <laughs> might be. I might hire you as my ice cream yeah. dealer. You know. <laughs> It's, but, uh, uh, it's yeah. yeah, it's good. It's hard not to eat ice cream all the time. But yeah, uh, of it's, course, definitely is a place though where people are not um, ever miserable in the ice cream shop. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> I would think it's not. A, it's a happy place. Um, yeah, which sometimes yeah. I have to snap myself into when I get there because I could be like moody and then I have to get oh, into the yeah. ice cream shop and. But uh, yeah, well, that's helps. that's what entertainers such as yourself do. I mean, <laughs> I need to do that too. Or find a way to work through the mood I have right now so that while you're not snapping out of it, you're dealing with it in a way that doesn't uh, cause that bad effect on other people. Perhaps you sort of flow with it, yeah. uh, I guess. But you, you're able to snap out of it, which is uh, great. Sometimes, I try. Sometimes. Yeah. Fake it till you make it, maybe? I, right, is right. That, a, that's it. that that's, can work? That's yeah. a thing. That's a thing. Actors can and often do that if they're not method actors. They fake it. And they're able to do it convincingly, and sometimes it's like you fake it until you make it in yeah. life, whether you're an actor or not, and it can help. So yeah, I've I've done that too, and it helped it to become real. It's like as I'm going along, it's like oh, now I really do feel this better way now. Oh, good. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's that's good. I and, think this is a little yeah. unrelated to what you're saying, but Jim cool. Carrey uh, ah. carried around a check in his wallet, a fake check, uh-huh. um, until he made it because he was super broke, <laughs> sleeping in his car. Oh, okay. And um, he would go up some mountain in LA, I, I forget exactly where, or some hill, and look hmm. out at the city, and he would kind of um, dream about what he wanted his life to be. Oh. And through that, he... That's that's one of the factors that he attributes to his success. That's very is relatable. This, uh, what we're saying, I'm I'm open to non-relating seg uh, uh, non sequiturs here, but that didn't seem like one. That's okay, uh, I didn't remember that about him. Although I know a thing or two about crazy Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's awesome. He's awesome. But that's yeah. that's one of those great stories. I wonder if it was the Hollywood Hills. I think I think it is the Hollywood Hills. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So that's but that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jim Jim Carrey, watch out with him because yeah. he's genius and. Watch out. Amazing painter too. Oh, yeah, I yeah, that. yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know. No, he does also. He's just uh, an incredible guy, right? Yeah, um, he is. He's multi-talented genius. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Jeremy, uh, so what's next for the show? What are you going to do? Uh, are you doing more? You yes, do more performances. Yes. Well, other than other than performing March tenth, I will have. It needs to be finalized, but I'll. I. It looks like I'm going to have a gig in. Uh, a show date in Long Beach. I've been in Long Beach before. Oh, great! At the Aurora, I'm going to be at a different theater this time. Hope to do the Aurora again, but uh, 
it's almost it's almost set. Just need to narrow down the the time and date okay. of the Long Beach, the next Long Beach show. And soon I intend to be performing my show once every month or once every two months. And I'm I've written down ideas for another show, uh, which still needs a lot of development. But I'm going to be doing that, and I've been writing more songs. So I'm so, but pain in my Asperger's needs to really take off, and I believe it's starting to. It's it's really learning. It, it's got its wings. It's just learning how to use them correctly. Yeah. And so, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. It's taken off. The word is spreading. Yes. Uh, and I. I thank you for helping that along too. It's I, I've enjoyed being on the show. I really I enjoyed really having have. you. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to do it. Uh, Pain in my Asperger's March 10th is the next performance at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Yes, and you can find the ticket link on Brown Paper Tickets website as well as the Gold Star website. The price I believe is about twenty seven dollars, but there's a nine dollar discount. And uh, believe me. Uh, while I want to earn all those dollars, not just for want, but because of need, financial need, and you know, we all have our financial sure, needs. Yeah. I'm also understanding that we all have have sometimes money issues, and discounts can be a great thing. How how do you uh, yes. qualify for the nine dollar? Uh, you, you go do? you go on the website and you you click on it. I believe. Okay. Yes. That's yes. Easy enough. Yes, and. Uh, Yes, I, I, March 10th is going to be a great show. I've got people coming, some industry connection people who have worked with theater people uh, before, like LA Theater, etc. cetera. Uh, Janine Frank is coming with a friend. And don't worry, Janine, if you're hearing this, you and your friend each get a comp. There and uh, nice. I, uh, I might have some other industry people coming. So we'll see about that. Um, well, my producer is supposed to be there, and she's connected with people like Joel Zwick, who was a director and producer of shows like Perfect Strangers, Webster, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Full House, Family Matters. He did the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and he's done a lot of theater as well. So my, my Deborah is a theater connection, I mean, a a good industry connection as well, and Definitely. she's a swell, swell girl. So, and uh, <clears throat> I hope you'll all come and, let me pour my heart out to you in a good, generated way, and that not just me affecting you, but you'll affect me, will establish a rapport together as a community of the human race together in Studio C. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. Um, Thank you. So, yes, anyone listening, check out the show. Check out uh, your your website as well. Do you still use that? Uh, um, well, not my own website. I'm on Facebook. Facebook. My, I'm I'm gonna be developing a website soon. Um, I had one website that's way outdated, but I'm on Facebook, and that's yeah, pretty. Facebook. You can you can find me under the term Jeromania because guess what, people? A wave Jeremania. of Jeromania is gonna way way over. Uh, it's it, it's gonna a wave of Jeromania is gonna come over you when you listen to my music, uh, see me perform, check out my my blog. It's like which Hulk is Jeromania. Yeah, or yeah. Hulkamania, right. And, exactly, and or Beatlemania. Or Beatlemania, sure. Yes, yes. Um, I exactly. ask every guest that's on, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't discuss that you were hoping to talk about or to mention? I thought in the like in inside the actor's studio you were going to end with asking me what my favorite curse word is or... <laughs> no, but... No, okay, that's... Um, well, let me see... Um, Oh, uh, well, not really. There's just one thing I'd like yeah. to end with. 
And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. (laughs) All right, awesome. Jeremy, thank you so much. Thank you.